And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. It's Stephen Holder here. I'm here with Zach Kiefer. And this is our latest edition of 1% Better. I guess a pre-draft episode, if you will. We're recording this, oh, I don't know, three days prior to the NFL draft, the 2022 NFL draft, which I am so excited about. <laughs> um, okay, now, so I've said this before, and Zach will back me up on this. I have mixed feelings about the draft. Like, I am not going to sit here and tell you people that I am an expert on the NFL draft. I am an expert on some things. I am not an expert on the NFL draft. However, Zach and I, we know a little bit about the Colts. So I think the insight we can share with you can help you better understand how the Colts approach it, what they're looking for, why, all that good stuff. So if you want takes on why cornerback X would be a great fit for the Colts, I'm probably not your guy. <laughs> Zachary, you have any thoughts on that guy? I don't. <laughs> not um, really. I, I, It's harder without a first-round pick. It is. You know, really it, it just kind of changes the game. Like the anticipation isn't really there Thursday. Not solely because of that, but also because there's there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are going to go in round one, and it doesn't have the same pop, maybe the same buzz as mm-hmm. drafts of the past. But what I mean, how many first-round picks have the Colts had in the last five years? Like so, three out of six, I think? So is this right? is going to be their their third time in six years not having a first-round pick, which is fascinating. You know, you may love it or hate it, but it's definitely – something <laughs> so it's uh it's definitely interesting um, it's also not an accident and we'll get into that later it, yeah. it's you did a story last week about all the second round talent they brought in and that's that's part of the approach in a way right yeah. but yeah we can get into that in a, late, in a little bit yeah so anyway let's do this let's kind of reset things because we haven't done one of these i think in in a few weeks i don't think so let's kind of reset things where are they at? They've signed Stephon Gilmore since the last podcast we did. So we've also had an entire press conference with Chris Ballard. So I, I think we learned some things there. So I think there's this good chance to kind of reset the roster. Where are they? Where? What's next? And, and that will kind of inform what they do in the draft. So I look at this team, and I want your thoughts on this. I look at this team right now, and I am – actually like cautiously optimistic about how good they are i i don't think they're a complete team like i'm not going to tell you that they got some holes you know what they are yeah it's fine but like where they're good i think they're pretty good in the places where they're good right they're they're solid in some important places defense looks great on paper yeah i, th- I think so i, I think, think so i want to say that i, I want to say that and then I think really solid at quarterback, not elite maybe, but really solid. And Matt Ryan clearly, and then offensive backfield certainly not an issue. 
you know, I think the offensive line good enough. I think it. I think they'll figure out the left tackle, but I think overall offensive line you could do a lot worse than the Colts offensive line. Trust me. So I don't know. I mean, what? Where are you at with this going into this draft? And the, and the roster will change, right? But but where are you at? What do you think? Tell me if I'm crazy. I think a week from now, next Monday after the draft is settled, it's over. I think you could feel like this roster's in a really good place. And that's if they get some playmaking talent at the offense in the, maybe the second round or the third round, right? I mean, and, and we'll see how the draft plays out. We'll have, to, we'll have to see what is available for them in those spots. But I think a week from now, it's not a crazy thought to think this team is in a really good place. Maybe I'm just drinking in the optimism of late April and early May, which a lot of teams are doing right now. And I get that. That's why but the draft this, is popular, by the way. Okay. Yeah, optimism. It's all about hope. It's all about hope. And that's why the offseason's fun. That's why free agency is so interesting. Yep. But I do think of this a lot. Like when I think about when this season ended last year and where they are right now, and I asked this French this question to Frank Reich point blank last week. I said, is your roster better right now than it was a year ago? Mm-hmm. And he said it was. And, and Frank was probably going to say that no matter what. But <laughs> You know, he came back and asked me that later, and he said, what do you think? And I said, it is, in my opinion, because of the money positions. They're better at quarterback. I, I believe that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll eat my words in, in November, or October, or whatever, but they're better. Matt Ryan will be a better decision maker than Carson Wentz, and I think the offense will be more um, spread out, more versatile yeah. with those with, with him, and we've Function, gotten into that. Yeah. We don't have to get into the quarterback stuff, but I do think Matt Ryan will be a more efficient decision maker in this offense. And I do think they got better at two really important positions on the defense. Number one, and we haven't talked enough about this, is Ngakwe. We have not talked enough about him. He's a plug-and-play 10-sack guy. And he's he's reuniting with Gus Bradley, who he's, he's played some of his best ball with. And he's exactly what they needed. He's exactly what they needed after the season. They really haven't had a guy that can just chase quarterbacks. And I think Quiddy Pay will continue to de- develop. We talked about him. And Gilmore changes everything, and, and they dug really hard. And just to give a little background on Gilmore, like they really chased him. Like they don't do that with a lot of free agents. Have you have you heard about the Colts like really like going all out to get a free agent in all your years covering this team? At least since Ballard's taken over, it's not their style, not at all. In fact, Ballard is almost like the girl who wants you to chase them. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, we can. We can hook up, but I have some, I have some expectations. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's Chris Ballard in free agency, and it's so cost this him. Is different. It's cost him some it talent, and I and I'll say this: um, everyone got freaked out and, and pissed off that they didn't get a receiver, and I am on that end of the spectrum. I don't think they've added enough at receiver. We'll talk in a week after the draft, but you know, one guy they were in on was Allen Robinson, and Robinson was like, "Who's throwing the ball?" This is early in free agency before the Colts had made the move for Matt Ryan, and I think that's a totally logical stance. Yeah. Who the heck is your quarterback right now that I'm going to be catching from? Especially, and, by know, the way, a guy who had been through the Chicago Bears shit yeah. show of the last, and he few was years. franchise tagged a couple times. Like he knows, and they chased him the first time. They chased him. I want to say in 2019, right? So they liked him then. They still liked him now. But he chose the Rams. You cannot fault him for that. The world champs, Matthew Stafford, McVeigh, etc. But that was a reality that they had to face early on in free agency. And I still, like, is it weird that Matt Ryan is the Colts quarterback? Like, does that still kind of weird to you? Like, I see pictures and I'm like, that's crazy. I still think they got so lucky with that. <laughs> it's it's like, really crazy. The fact that they were able to sh- get rid of Wentz, add a third round pick, get better at quarterback, and save 4 or $5 million. Like, how did they do that? Listen, can we just admit 
that no matter what happens Thursday, the biggest move of this offseason happened a month ago. Okay? Like, oh, there's no sure. question. For or sure. like a month and a half ago. It, I mean, nothing else that happens from here to the time they kick it off in September will matter more, in my opinion. I, I just, I don't know how you make the argument that they could do anything more consequential than that, unless there's something coming down the pike that I can't even fathom. That is the biggest move they will make all offseason, in my estimation. Any, am, I, am I wrong about any of that? No, it's crazy. And and that's why, that's partly why we're just now catching up on the draft. You and I have yeah. been so, I mean, we did, you know, there was six weeks of Wentz rumors. And then we had the trade, and then we had the Matt Ryan trade, and then we had the owners' meetings where Jim Irsay basically spelled out exactly why they moved on from Carson Wentz. And then sort of over the last couple of weeks, been able to catch our breath. But all of a sudden, the players are back in the building <laughs> last week, and the offseason workouts have begun. So it's been a whirlwind, but they got better at quarterback. They got better at corner. They got better at pass rush and they need to get better at receiver. And I'm not, I'm not leaving that alone, but I think they can do that this week. Maybe not a guy that steps in and has a thousand yards as a rookie, but let me talk to, let's talk about this. They don't have a first round pick. How much does that matter this year? Okay. So you're seeing reports out there that a lot of teams are interested in trading down. (laughs) Yeah. What does that tell you? Right. And guess what? Guess what's happening when they make those phone calls? Nothing. Because <laughs> no one's interested in moving up. So I think if there was ever a year to not have a first-round pick, and I look, granted, that first, that first round pick went down the toilet, okay? I, yeah, I let's grant not you that. give them a pass <laughs> okay? for that. I grant you that. That first-round pick is in the sewer, okay? It's, it's down there with the rats in the sewer at but- this point. We talked about this in the media room the other day. And just us talking in the media room would be a great podcast. It would be. But it, it is be still R-rated, astonishing but be they got Washington to pay $28 million. That's, that's astonishing to me. No one else it. was bidding on Carson Wentz, I don't think. And they got the commanders to take the entire salary when it they is, were going to cut him if they I had know. to. It, it's, it's, the, it's the thing that I still can't get my head around. In five years, I still won't be able to yeah. get my head around that. But anyway, anyway. Yeah. Okay. God bless you, Ron Rivera. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, I I do think that, yes, there is. This is not a top-heavy draft from all indications. And I think the Colts are just fine. Not Well, that's the wrong way of putting it. I think they can live with not having the first-round pick. Do they want it? Do they wish they had it? Of course. Uh, But... They can live with it. They they really can. And and I think maybe who knows? Maybe that was part of their calculation. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm maybe giving them too much credit. But I but I can tell you, they're not sweating it. And the reason for that is they don't see a lot of difference between mid to late first round and where they are in the second round at number forty two. They don't see a ton of difference. And and I tell you, look, I mean, by now. We generally know who the top two or three picks are going to be. The fact that there's some disagreement on that, even on the top pick, then sometimes that happens. But I mean, but oftentimes it's generally like, okay, is it going to be this quarterback or that quarterback? Now it's like, you know, we have no yeah, idea. Right. And and I think that just goes to show you, you know, there's just no overwhelming consensus on the the top players in this draft. There, there's a handful that there are consensus about, clearly. 
But anyhow, I, I do think Chris Ballard, I'm not saying he doesn't like picking in the first round. I just don't think it's what gets him up in the morning. And I know that doesn't like appeal to you as a fan, if you, especially if you're someone who's really into the draft. Like there's nothing more fun than like draft night when you got a first round pick, right? That's really yeah. fun. And he takes that joy away from you. <laughs> I yeah. know you hate that. But I also think he looks at it and kind of shrugs. Don't you think? Am I? Are we missing something no, here? No, it's, it, it, it's the drop-off is what? 12, 15? Where he doesn't see much of a difference between yeah. the 15th overall prospect and the 38th overall prospect. They're, they're picking 42nd. So, yeah. And he's not wrong about that, by the he's way. He's not wrong because look at what they've done in the second round. And you wrote this story last week. and I mean, just list the names, right? I mean, yeah. every... Bet, like the best players they have that aren't named Quentin Nelson and DeForest Buckner are all second round picks. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Darius Leonard, Braden Smith. I mean, who am I missing? Yeah. I mean, I think even you could even consider guys like Rock Yassin, who they got a lot of good snaps out of, and Taekwon Lewis, who, who maybe isn't a 10 sack guy, but a very consistent contributor. And, and I think we have to sometimes understand, like, you know, we have to understand what expectations should be. So not every like top three round pick is going to be a star, right? I mean, yeah. they probably won't be. Frankly, if a guy becomes a really good rotational contributor, that's a win. Because oftentimes they don't even become that. Look, in the first round, what's the hit rate in the first round? I was going to get to this this week and uh, I may still, but I- I'm very interested in and doing a study about this, like maybe go back 10 years, 20 years, you know, what's the real hit rate? You have to kind of define like what you consider. Yeah, that's a hit. the hard thing. Now I did quarterbacks a couple of years ago. It's and not it's great. Less than, it's less than 40%. It's not great. Right. And it's going to get worse because people reach on quarterbacks. Right. Correct. So, so I think at the, at the premier positions, it's, it, it can be really hit and miss. Now where you see hits in the first round are, like offensive linemen, particularly interior offensive linemen, like Ryan Kelly, that was a home run. You knew, like, I had no right? sweat about that the minute they made right. the pick. Like, you knew he's going to be here pick. 10 years. Quentin right. Nelson, you knew it was a good pick. I mean, those guys to be drafted in the first round, they have to be just incredible, right? So, so I think the the hit rate in the first round, it's impacted by who gets drafted in the first round. It's pass rushers, it's quarterbacks, it's, it's the, the big, bang for your buck positions right and and you take a bigger leap at those positions i feel so the hit rate's not great um and i think chris ballard is very content to sit there in the second round and say okay i'm going to get a really good player here at really good value both in terms of the pick and even the money that's something to consider too it is absolutely something he considers and and let's let's transition this into the the position they need i think it's pretty obvious and you kind of wrote last week like he's gonna sit up there during his pre-draft press conference, and he's going to say, I like our receivers. Frank Reich loves our receivers. <laughs> and then he's going to go draft a receiver, right? I mean, it wouldn't stun me. We'll see what happens. But this is a really interesting stat that Matt Schneiderman, who covers the Packers for us, dug up. More than half of the 27 wide receivers named all pro over the last 10 years. So all pro is like, it's a much more valuable yeah. thing than Pro Bowl, right? I think everybody out there knows the that all pro is like actually the best players, Pro Bowlers, popularity, whatever. Anyway. More than half of the all-pro wide receivers were drafted after the first round. Six came in the second, two in the third, one in the fourth, two in the fifth, one in the sixth, and two of these receivers, Cole Beasley and Adam Thielen, were undrafted guys. My point Mm -hmm. being, 
you can get a great receiver in the first round. You can also get him in the second, third, or fourth. And the other thing to this is kind of what you mentioned. And Ballard mentions this a lot, and he's right. This never gets talked about during the draft. So much of it matters where they go. So much of it matters where they go and if they have time to develop and if they have patience and if they have the right offensive or defensive scheme they're going if it's off if it's receiver like that matters a huge amount and it's like there's a reason great players go to the jets every year and then flame out like mm-hmm. there's a reason guys go to the chiefs every year and become great players i mean it's that's a, that's the other side of this that never gets talked about this week but my point specifically for the colts and receiver is you can find a great receiver in the second round you can find a good one in the third round if they have the right system and the right time to develop um I'm not sweating. I still think you can find. I still think you can find a lot of talent, even with second and third round picks and no first rounder this year. Yeah, and I think the you made a point, and I and I wrote this in my most recent story as well. They look. This is what they do, right? Every team has to have these pre-draft press conferences. They're required, and you get up there and you just basically talk in circles for twenty yeah. minutes, right? Because who's going to give you the roadmap? You know, a week before the draft. I get it. But look, Chris Ballard. I, I, there was such a there was such a visceral reaction to some of the things that he said, <laughs> which you knew he was going to say. By the way, okay, yeah, there's such a visceral reaction to him saying, "No, I like our receivers. I think they're they got a lot of potential. and They need to play." Uh, but look, two things. Number one, he was asked, "What do you think of your receivers? <laughs> what do you think he'll say? They suck? Of course not." And then the other question was. I think it was you who talked to, who asked him about this. Just you know the the, the real uh, aggressive acquisitions we have seen at wide receiver in recent weeks. You know guys like uh, Tyreek yeah. Hill, right, and Devontae, Devontae Adams. Adams, right, and and I I have a problem with those. Well, problems the wrong word, but my issue with those is you have to tread lightly. You are giving up major compensation in terms of draft capital to acquire the guy, and then you got to turn around and pay him $25 million. Now, that happens in in most of these blockbuster trades, granted. But but I do think at a position where we just demonstrated, I think through the stat that you mentioned, where these all-pro wide receivers are coming from, it's been, it's been demonstrated that you don't have to do that to find the guy. Now, granted, it's a more of a crapshoot in the draft. I get that. But all I'm saying is this is not like quarterback where it's like you have one chance to get that guy, right? Yeah. Uh, you may one never have another chance. Every five years or ten years. Exactly. That's not the same thing. These guys are out there. And they're and starting to – yeah. So let me read the question and the quote because I thought this was the most telling thing of the press conference. I basically asked him like – With these receivers getting quarterback money, how does that change your discussions and your approach to the draft? Being like, you know, you're going to have to pay some of the best ones $25 million a year, vice versa. There's a lot of receivers coming out in the draft. And no, they're not equal. Like a rookie receiver is not going to be Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill. But here's what Ballard said. He said, that's a good question. It depends on where you're at. Do I think a go-for-it move when you're giving up the farm for a whiteout and then paying him an inordinate amount of money? I've always thought that the really good defenses, the really good defensive coordinators can find a way to take those guys out of the game. They can. It doesn't mean they're any less valuable, but they find a way. To me, it's easier. I don't know if it's easier, but it's easier to find a guy in the draft and let them develop. They don't always hit right away. And that's another point. Like, you know, how much of a difference is there between Devontae Adams 
and and Jamar Chase. Adams is better, but I might take Chase right now. I mean, well, I mean, certainly on his contract, <laughs> you take him. That's that that's a, that's a big part of it, though. Right. Like, of course, that's you not, know you're that's not, not getting, like infinite. It's not ap- it's not apples but, to apples. Right. But if you're gonna take Chase on a rookie deal as opposed to paying twenty five million dollars a year to one player who can sometimes disappear. I think it's an interesting debate, and yeah. I think you can still find some value 30, 35, 40, 50 spots in the draft. As a, and, and look, those top 10 picks and those receivers from Ohio State, Wilson and Olave, I mean, those guys are studs. They're going to be awesome in the NFL, I think. But I think it's an interesting debate and, and in light of Debo Samuel possibly being available. I don't even know if the 49ers trade him. Um, I think it's fascinating, at least a peek into how Chris Ballard sees the position all of that being said, I don't think they're good enough at receiver right now. I don't think they're deep enough at receiver right now, and they need to get better, and they have a chance to do that this weekend. Yeah, I, I would add one, I think, important variable. There's no question the quarterback matters a lot. And and I think, you know, you mentioned Allen Robinson, who's a player the Colts have had interest in and had interest in recently. Now, Allen Robinson, I think, has had some good moments over the last few years. But let's be honest. How much have we talked about Allen Robinson over the last two or three years? Hardly at all. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> because it's because of who was throwing him the football. Correct. You know, and I think now I bet we'll talk about him a lot more this year coming up because he's going to be in that McVay offense with Stafford at quarterback. He, he's going to have tons more opportunity this year, I think, to be the player he believes that he is and the player we know him to be. But I, but I do think that's a big part of it. So, you know, it, it really is – there's so many factors at work when you're talking about wide receivers succeeding. There, are, there obviously are some, are some you know, kind of uh, unicorns out there, right? I mean, there's always those unicorns. I get that. And, and they'll succeed probably no matter who's the quarterback for the most part and all that. Yeah, but Colts aren't drafting that guy. They, they're not going to be drafted in the top well, 10 no. anytime soon. That's true, right. So, But, but I do think, yeah, the, between development, coaching – who the quarterback is, the system, all that. I really do think uh, if you pick, if you're picking smart and you get the right guys, I think they can have an early impact. Um, and and I think no one's better than Frank Reich at getting guys uh, in position and getting route combinations that work, and and really I think getting the most out of guys. I think he can get something out of rookie wide receivers. Uh, listen, I bet they go in there and they they take two receivers this week. I I would I would bet money on that. I'm not if they take one high, I think, I think, I think that's the right move. And the other thing that Ballard said that was interesting that stood out was, I, it depends on where you think you're at. Yes. Where are the Colts at? I don't think they're thinking Super Bowl. Now they are. They're going to say that Jim Ursay's going to talk on Saturday. He's going to mention two Super Bowls. That's fine. They're not. They're Has not. They need, to, before, they need to talk. <laughs> yeah. Right. They they need to think about beating the Titans. End of discussion. That's yeah. my take. They need yeah. to think about winning the AFC South. Um, I think they're much more in a position where they can develop young receivers and let them grow. I mean, think about how good Pittman's going to be this year and next year. I mean, he's going to be a stud. He's already a stud, and he's going to get better. And if they've got a couple more in the pipeline, that's going to really shape up well. That means whenever they bring in this quarterback that's going to be the guy, whether it's next year or the year after, or this year maybe, um, he'll have a lot of pieces around him that make his acclimation to the NFL a little bit smoother. That matters. That's exactly what we're talking about in terms of, drafting a quarterback and what do you throw him into? I mean, it, it helped Andrew look immensely to have Reggie Wayne 
in his huddle every single day the first couple of years he was in the league. And maybe that's a different example. Luck probably would have excelled anyway. But um, they're going to have a lot of pieces. And, and Ballard made a point. He's like, yeah, I know everyone's knocking our offensive talent, but Jonathan Taylor's pretty good. Michael Pittman's pretty good. Naheem Hines is pretty good. Matt Ryan, I think, is pretty good. So it's going to be fun. But if they do double up at wide receiver this weekend, I think, one, the fan base will be a lot happier. And you might go into camp a little bit feeling a little bit better in terms of if one guy goes down, well, okay, they've got some options. Because right now I don't like those options if one guy goes down. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. To reinforce what I said and, and what we've been talking about in terms of you know, listening to what Chris Ballard said in his press conference versus what I anticipate they will do, there's a history of this, okay? So if you read this in my story, I apologize for being repetitive, but look, they have, when they have had a need, they have generally addressed it pretty significantly in the draft, like a really, really clear need. So 2018 draft is kind of where I start here. So what happened in 2017? Jacoby Brissett got the shit beat out of him, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Saxonville. Yeah, 10 sacks. That's a lot. And so what did they do? First pick, Quentin Nelson. Second pick, Braden Smith. <laughs> okay, like they fixed half their offensive line within you the first two picks Ballard's of the Ballard's money quote was, I was tired of us getting our ass kicked. I he meant that. like up front. He meant up front. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so, so I mean, that's a great example. Now, it doesn't stop there. I think if you go to 2019, you can look at 
a couple of things. What happened, they drafted Quincy Wilson in 2017. By that time, they knew that he wasn't the guy, right? They had they had seen that. And, and I don't think they had a lot of consistency at that position outside of Kenny Moore. Uh, they had, I, I think Pierre Desire was was back, but yeah. certainly they needed more, right? And, and Quincy Wilson wasn't going to be the guy. What did they do? With their top pick in the second round, number 34, Rock Yassin. Now, we can quibble about whether that was a good pick. That's not the point. The point is they went and addressed the very clear need. They consistently do this. And then in 2020, they had T.Y. Hilton coming off an injury-plagued year. Uh, they had, at that point, had a lot of uh, Remember they travails. were Dontrell Inman was in a receiver. Yeah. They were, yeah. They had had a lot of travails the year before. If you recall, uh, we knew by that point Car- Paris Campbell had some issues, right? And so they drafted uh, Michael Pittman. You know, Zach Pascal was their leading receiver the year before. So yeah, they had a need. <laughs> so anyway, and we can go on and on. 2021, what they do? Quitty Pay. Danique Watry was gone. Justin Houston was gone, and they said, "Okay, we need a guy." And they got Quitty Pay. It's not about, oh, by the way, and Dio Dengbo as well. So the point here, don't get caught up in whether those were good picks or bad picks. That's not my point. And some of those we can't really even assess yet. So it doesn't matter. The point is they have a history of not ignoring the big flashing red light in front of them that says you have to do this. They do it. They generally do. So I think sometimes you just you got to separate the words from actions with these teams and coaches and GMs. The words don't matter. They really don't. Like they sometimes help and they sometimes give us insight and all that, which is great, right? We want that. But at the same time, if their actions tell us something completely different, well then pay attention to that. And <laughs> so, I think we're good enough at at sifting through that. Like Yes. Chris can say whatever he wants on April 25th, but on January 13th, four days after his team got their asses kicked in Jacksonville, he said, we need more playmakers on offense. Yeah. Have they added in any more playmakers on offense to date? Like, besides really. the quarterback? Not really, no. And, yeah. and they and they can say that Mo Ali Cox is one, but he was on the team last year. It's, so, not, it's not in the addition, um, right? They know. I mean, I, I remember one season I was watching practice with Ballard. He showed up and we were talking, and it was late in that 2019 season where they didn't have any offensive, like, explosion right like Marlon Mack was basically like running into a full line every play because Jacoby Brissett and the offense couldn't throw it and I said I know what you're going to do with your first couple picks like everyone knows you're going to draft some offensive playmakers and he drafted Pittman and then he drafted Jonathan Taylor like you know and it kind of speaks to what you were saying like they're they know what's going on by the way those are the two biggest difference makers on their offense right now yeah, I mean, Think about you that. go back to training camp last year. Everyone's like, who looks good? I'm like, Pittman and Taylor are the best players in the field every day. Yeah. And Taylor, Taylor ran for 1,800 yards in the, the league, and, and Pittman had 1,000. So they know they know the obvious needs this team has. They know they're pretty close to having a pretty complete team. Now, I don't know what the ceiling is. I think that's you know up for debate. But mm-hmm. um, I think these guys know, and I think even though they're saying that they like their receivers and Frank loves Paris Campbell and Chris loves Paris Campbell and – and Ashton Doolin and Kiki QT, and that's great. But they also know they need more, and they need more playmakers. They also know that. So I think that will be made very clear this weekend with their first couple of picks. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think uh, we we talked about them not having a, a first round pick, and we have, you know, we 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 kind of touched on 
the fact that they have, have kind of really, I think, gotten a lot out of the second round. But I want to just kind of lean into that a little bit here and give you some insight on that. So I went back and looked at this. So if you if you look at Ballard's entire tenure, uh, so we're talking 2017 through 2021. Uh, so over that over those five drafts, the Colts have had more second round picks than any team in the NFL. Eleven second round picks in in five drafts. That's a lot. When I mean, you're you're only scheduled to have one per year. So they yeah, they've and done they got that. two next year. Remember, That's and right. if, if Carson plays for the Commanders, right? Exactly. So this is. I'm not suggesting they're going out of their way to acquire second round picks, but at the same time, they really like the second round. Now, not all these picks have panned out. I, I just mentioned Quincy Wilson. He's no longer on the team. But I mean, listen to this. You're talking about uh, 2018. Darius Leonard, Braden Smith, Kamoka Ture, Taekwon Lewis. Kamoka Ture, I, I think, wasn't what they hoped, but I do think I, there, we saw the talent there. I think health was a factor, obviously. Taekwon Lewis, I think, is underrated. I, I really like Taekwon. I think if – it's hard to say this, but I don't – if Kamoko ever never hurts his ankle, I think he's a starter. Yeah. I think he's a starter. He's I think he's getting a second contract. Yep. I don't know if he comes back from the ankle, but um, I think Taekwon really makes you feel better about the depth on your defensive line. And then you go up to the top. I mean, Darius – the and best Braden off Smith, the ball linebacker. Braden Smith will be a Pro Bowler next year or the next year. <laughs> and so. JT just led the league by 500 yards <laughs> in rushing. So Michael yeah, when Pittman, they hit, you can yeah. get all pros. I mean, you can get absolute studs. Yeah, look, I and I think I think Paris Campbell. Uh, I I hate that Paris Campbell is seen as some like stupid draft pick because at the time I got it and I think everybody got it. First of all, this guy was not hurt in college. Okay. Yeah, go watch his film at Ohio State. He's a stud. He was incredible. And for everybody right now who's crying about, you know, wanting juice from the Colts offense, that was as much juice as they've ever drafted. Okay. He had as much as, as any guy they have ever drafted. It just hasn't worked out, you know, purely for health reasons. And that's just not something anyone could have predicted. It just goes that way sometimes. I it's been remarkable how bad it's been, but but I, but I understand that pick, and I think that was a good pick at the time. The, both things can be true. Um, so anyway, I, my point is there's a lot of really intriguing talent that they've picked up there in the second round. So they have a chance to make this a home run pick. There's a chance there at 42. We've already outlined they don't think there's a big difference between 13, 14, 15, and where they are at 42. So you know, look, it's Thursday night won't be that fun for you. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but I wouldn't totally despair. Like, I think they have a real opportunity here, uh, to, to get a really good player. And the last thing I'll, I'll say before I shut up on this topic, when you look at the NFL draft, look at it the way teams look at it. So I'll give you, for example, Morocco Brown as the director of college scouting uh, most of those jobs, most, most of the, the people in those particular positions who run the college scouting department, generally what they will do is they will scout all top 100 players in person. Why? Because that's the sweet spot. The top 100 are where the, the, the biggest percentage of the, the studs come from. So they're still going to have a couple of picks in that top 100, and that's that's really what it matters. That's really what matters more than anything is how many picks in the top 100. And, and I think that's the number they're more concerned with 
as opposed to how many first round picks. First round's great, again. But I think the the important thing, the way they look at it is is really from a you know thirty thousand foot view. They want top one hundred picks. That's where you get uh, you know just the the numbers. You know, in terms of the players who really pan out, that's where they come from. So it's the it's the bulk of your roster. It's yeah. the Bobby Okereke's who's who's going to be a three year starter. It's right. it's Kari Willis who's going to be a three four year starter. It's you know Julian Blackman, the third rounder. Like you can get really talented, really consistent players that maybe the national. People don't spend a lot of time on. They're not the glamorous positions, but Colts fans know these guys. They they know how how, how important these guys are to winning. Um, Grover Stewart, what what round was he? He, he was, was Ballard's first round. Draft, I think right? he I think he might he still might have been. Uh, he may have been top one hundred. I can't recall, but he was early in the fourth round. I think. They yeah, out, of, out of a small school, it didn't play much in Albany State. Yep. I mean, without him right now, it's a totally different defensive line. Sure. So that's the fun part of the draft and seeing these guys hit over time because they've added some good late round picks in the last couple of years. So before we shut this, before we shut up, I want to, I want to talk to Zach about your story, which was published today on Monday. Uh, it's a very unique story, but I love the idea. Uh, so tell us about that. And I think, tell us also what it taught you about the draft process. Maybe what you may have learned about the draft process through that reporting. Yeah, it was really fun. Throughout the season, I sat down with four different players. And basically, I've always wondered, and I stole this idea from our Minnesota writer, Chad Graff. It's a great idea. But so in this time of year, we read all these scouting reports. And if you haven't read The Beast from Dane Brugler, it's incredible. It's like the Bible. I'm going to use it endlessly this weekend. It's it's the most detailed scouting report you'll ever read on each of these prospects. And their entire life is broken down. I mean, it'll start with, um, you know, his dad was a football player in high school. He played baseball growing up. He switched to football in eighth grade. I mean, it's incredible detail. So I went through and I picked strengths and weaknesses and NFL projection for all these players. And I just read them to them. Sam Ellinger, hmm. Kylan Granson, Bobby O'Karake, Quiddy Pay. And I said, do you agree with this? Do you disagree with this? And it was really interesting to see the player's perspective. A couple of times they were like, yeah, that's fair. That's totally right. That's how I was coming out of college. And the most interesting one is is Sam Ellinger. You can just see how smart this guy is a quarterback. I said, how would you grade quarterbacks? How would you evaluate quarterback if you were an evaluator judging the quarterbacks after you just came out last year? And he was like, well, how much detail are you actually going to go into? Are they going to think they know the play or are they going to actually know every single detail you have to know? And I can't do the quote justice. You'll have to read the story. But oh my God. No, he can't. basically explained high-level quarterbacking in two paragraphs. Um, and you can see my response was just like, wow, that was a lot. <laughs> um, it was some of the best interviews I've had with players the last couple of years. After my interview with Okereke, he said, do you mind if I keep that? He wanted to keep the scouting report on him. So hmm. I learned a lot. The players... You know, they were like, look, you're on trial, man. They're trying to find – they're trying to catch you in a lie. And and these are smart guys. Obviously, they wouldn't have been drafted to the Colts otherwise. But it's a fascinating lens into the scouting process from the one angle we don't really get a lot of, and that's the players. Yeah, I, I think the – I've done stories on – at the Combine, I've done this a couple times, on the interviews that take place there. And it's really fascinating, like, to, to hear, like, how each team – approaches their interviews because every team is very different. You know, sometimes the coach and his coordinators will run the interview. Sometimes it's, it's the, the personnel people and, and they 
run the interview in terms of you know finding out finding out about the player themselves. Um, I can tell you, Chris Ballard's approach is generally, and there's no right or wrong way. Let me be clear. But Chris Ballard's approach is generally he's like, okay, Frank, it's your show. It, they're going to play for you, so yeah, you figure you guys take over as a coaching staff, and and then he'll you know rely on the scouts to get all the the personal details and, and the background on the player because they're following them for multiple years in many cases. Right. So um, I, I actually like that approach. I think, I think you can tell a lot about a player pretty quickly. Like that Sam Ellinger example is oh. money. It, you, for that if reason. you read it, you will know if you read it, you will know yeah. why he got the backup job in training camp. Just, just trust me on that. Right. Because he, he understands the game at a, at a higher level. I'm not saying he's, He's the next Tom Brady. No, I don't know if he can play at all. Okay, but I know he knows football, right? Yeah. And, and when you need when you have a backup quarterback, that guy needs to be able to come in and know his stuff without very many reps. That's the job. The job is: Are you competent? Basically, he's extremely yeah, if, if competent. You, okay. If you're wondering why the heck, and Sam, we talked about the arm. We talked. To, he's like, yeah, there's some guys that can cover up their mistakes with their arm, right? But he said over time that reveals itself. And if you're wondering why the heck Sam Ellinger is the Colts backup quarterback right now without a great arm and without, you know, maybe a lot of upside in terms of starter potential, read this story. And I think it will become more clear to you why he's here. Um, fascinating. It was fun to look, sit down with these guys and, and see what they said. And, and Quiddy Pate was like, well, you know, I didn't have a lot of sacks in college because that's not what they asked me to do. So there's a little bit of context that gets lost, but um it was fun stuff. It was some of my favorite interviews I had last season. And, and what's like you said earlier, the players kind of understand this already, but it's it's worth repeating. The players or the teams, I should say, in these interviews, they often already know these answers, right? Oh, that's what all the players said. They generally know the answers, but I think they want to make sure that that they're being transparent and honest and that you know look they've talked to their coaches they've talked to their families they've talked to everybody right so they knew that quitty pay played a different alignment in college they they've known that for a long time they've already watched the tape but they want to hear it from him and from his perspective are you going to make an excuse or are you going to explain it in a way that's like well yeah my job was very specific and so forth you know and are you going to get defensive all of that right so i think you can learn a lot about guys and it's, scouting is an art, man. It's an art both in terms of looking at the football, but also how you separate prospects. There's so many ways to do it, and I just think your process is is the most important thing. You know, you can separate. If you were going to so kill someone, one of the questions asked: If you were going to kill someone, would you shoot them or stab them? <laughs> Okereke brought that up. I, I, what's so the what's right answer? The right, I don't know. I, I don't want to answer. I yeah, I hope it never comes to that. <laughs> and Ellinger, and I think Ellinger's probably one of the smarter guys on the roster. A guy from the Bills convinced him to admit to doing something that he hadn't done. And I was like, oh, wow. how the, the, in the world did that happen to you, Sam? Like, you're really sharp. And he's like, I don't know, man. Like, he, he said something that was true, something that was true, something that was true. And then he convinced me that something else happened that wasn't true. And he almost got me to admit it. And <laughs> I was like, damn, this is intense stuff. Yeah. So... It's fascinating. But, uh, and, and Granson was like, look, man, they already know. If you had three detentions in junior high and they ask you and you hmm. lie, like they were going to call you a liar. Yeah. So, um, interesting process. But yeah, yeah and, and to peek ahead, the Colts' latest episode of With the Next Pit comes out this Wednesday. 
I got a sneak peek at it, and uh, there's some urgency in Ballard's words during one of the draft meetings. So another good look inside the draft room as they enter what it is. It's a really important draft for this team because they 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 need to get some some needs addressed. I think. Yeah, you're like a movie critic getting like uh, you know advanced copies here, Eric C. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, anyway, that's uh that's kind of our our thoughts for right now. Um, I, I imagine I don't know what our podcast schedule is here i need to check uh but i i imagine we'll circle back um after they make a pick that won't be won't be thursday <laughs> so uh at some point we'll we'll circle what are back the chances we'll, they trade up oh uh, like 0.5 percent i was gonna say less than five percent you're even no, you're I going said lower 0.5. <laughs> i know i know yeah i think i think almost no chance almost yeah. no chance in fact, if Ballard could like trade down to like forty eight and get like an extra fifth, he'd think about it. <laughs> so, the only way is if they really like a receiver and he's like end of the first round. Like I could see them trading up like ten spots. I no, never mind. I can't. I, I can't even talk myself into it. What What does it take? That's that's my question. Is what does it take to to do that? I think is it is it going to cost you like you know your third, your fourth. I, I don't know. It depends on what it costs. But I, I just think that they are in a situation where they do not have like a multitude of picks this year. And, you know, what he always says, I love them picks, you know. He's not – they're not going to pick seven times this weekend. They're going to pick more than that. Yeah. He's going to add a pick. I, For you know, sure. They're just going to – yeah. For so. sure. Yeah. So always bank on them trading down, not up. Doesn't you mean guys they won't. know this. You guys who follow this team know this. You guys know. Exactly. So, yeah. Rinse, repeat. Okay. <laughs> so anyway thanks for listening guys uh busy week ahead right we've got lots going on i'm gonna have a seven round mock draft here um i think that runs thursday morning i believe so there's also a beat writer mock draft coming out that will uh run through all of our reporters in all of our different markets so those are always really revealing i think because no one knows the teams better than the people who are there every day it doesn't mean the picks will be right but i think it it will indicate something about what these teams are thinking so check that out zach's gonna make the colts pick uh so we got lots of good stuff and I, i've got a story coming out on quitty pay's brother who's just a fascinating story uh he's a draft prospect this year out of northern colorado and i talked to quitty uh, as well as his brother and mom uh you know their backstory but then his brother Komote has an even crazier story on top of all of that, you know, them leaving war-torn Liberia and all that. So this story goes beyond that. So anyway, look for that here in the next couple of days. And uh, yeah, lots of stuff on The Athletic this week. If you're into the draft, then you're in heaven because uh, there's one thing we do. It's cover the draft. So anyway, we thank yeah, you for listening. Remember, we'll get um, the scouts on Saturday after the draft. Day. Yes. So that's always one of the more entertaining reads we get all year. I love that. I love that. So anyway... That's the spiel for now. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. You guys are the best. Um, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is 1%.